So I want to wrap this up by asking, what now? What does our expectations of the nativity scene moved on into our personal lives mean for us today? What expectations do you have that you place on God and Jesus, that you project on God and Jesus and you expect him to be or to do for you? I want you to think about that for a second. How do we sanitize the story and in our own lives, when God doesn't come through the way we expect, when things don't happen the way it's written, it's like, why doesn't this, why isn't this happening? It's supposed to be like this. And a lot of the times it's because we have sanitized the story. We've made it so clean. There's no crustiness off the trough anymore. Like everything is sanitized and Jesus is being born in the Marriott suite, and it's no longer in a manger, and everything is good. If our life doesn't measure up to that, a lot of times we're greatly disappointed. A couple weeks ago, we talked about Psalm 23, the Psalm of Steadfastness. And in this psalm, David is talking about God, and he's basically narrating God leading him through his life. God led me through this, and he brings me to pastures, and he this, and he does that. And we talked about there's a shift, right? In the valley of the shadow of death, the language changes, and Jesus draws near. It goes from third person to second person. You are with me, not just the shepherd, you, God, right? But there is another important change that I didn't mention at that time, but it's equally valuable. And that's the language that David uses to describe his situation, which oftentimes we find our life in. You see, David's narrating, and he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside this. He does this. But then he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You see what he did there? How many of us in this season expecting so much, expecting God to do amazing miracles, when we see these fairy tale Christmas stories and we see all of these wishes come true and we look at our lives and we look at God and we say, you're not living up to my expectations. You're not doing the things for me that I'm seeing other people living out in their life. But David, he takes full responsibility for the valley of the shadow of death. He says, though I walk, not God, you drug me through the valley of the shadow of death. You led me here. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus, not, he doesn't lead. He gets close and he walks with. Our expectation of God and this season especially, like some of us are like, yay, Christmas season, it's the most wonderful time of the year and I'm gonna get all of the things I've ever wished for. And most of us are like, 
maybe barely scraping by. Maybe our relationships are in ruin. Maybe we've lost a loved one. And we're expecting God to show up in these mighty ways. And we're waiting in the fire. We're waiting in the earthquake and we're waiting in the storm and we're waiting for him to do something amazing. And that projection that we put on God then becomes how we treat other people. Because we can't see God in the simplest of things of like being with us as we're walking through the valley, because some of these valleys are valleys that other people's choices have led us to, not God's choice. Or maybe they're valleys that we've put ourselves in. And David recognizes that, and he recognizes that the valleys that he is experiencing aren't God dragging him through the mud, but God being with him and the mess that he put himself in, and then the mess that this world is. Yes, Jesus chose to be born in the most humble of origins. But Jonathan asks the question is, why Mary even went there in the first place? Because of the way she was treated. Because of society. And some of us are in these valleys and we are expecting God to do amazing things and yet we're being wrapped up in swaddling clothes and lying in a trough of humility and saying, God, why am I not living up to the expectations that I see around me, especially in this season? God's not always in the grandiose, crazy things. He's often in the small things with us. We experience those big things, but sometimes God's not in those big things. You know the story very well. First Kings. First Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 11. This is when God said to Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this valley of the shadow of death? What are you doing here? And the Lord says to him, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Next verse. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, saying again, what are you doing here, Elijah? The expectation that Elijah had in his valley of the shadow of death in this season of his distress, the expectation that he had on God is that, God, you brought me here and you're going to do mighty, mighty things through me. I am coming in your name. I am a person faithful to you. And in this season, when we reflect, like, what is God doing in a mighty way in my life? We see Jesus in a manger, not in grandiose circumstance, 
and pomp and wealth, but in the very small and tender ways. They might look ugly, but if Jesus is our heavenly peace, then it is it's beautiful. The thing that we often don't realize is that Elijah, he experienced the earthquake, did he not? The earthquake he, he felt. And a lot of us are like, oh, okay, that's God moving the earthquake. But Elijah's ears were tuned and he didn't hear God in the earthquake. That's important for us to note, is that the earthquake came. We're not often told how many people might have come claiming to be the Messiah and grandiose, wearing wealth, wearing all the pomp with many followers, and Jesus was not among them. In our lives, the earthquakes are happening. Maybe amazing things are happening to other people, or we see it passing by us, and God is not in it. And then the wind blows, and it's mighty, and it's crazy, and it's amazing. And God is not in it. And we're wondering, is God even going to show up? Then the fire? No. But when he heard the whisper, and when he understands, God is with me. God is with you. And he's ready to defy your expectations. You may be expecting something big, but he is coming to you gently. Dallas Willard puts it best, talking about Psalm 23, but also speaking of our expectations. There may be times when you have to renew your commitment to release what you want, how you look, and especially what you are doing for the Lord. Much of our effort to do things for the Lord is really the resurgence of our desire to dominate and make things happen in our own strength. I know that this is speaking to someone today. The reason why we sanitize the narrative, the, the, the native, the nativity scene, and the narrative of the nativity scene is because we want to control it. We want it to look the way we think it should look. We want it to be the way we think it should be because we want our lives to not look like that. None of us want to be in a cardboard box in front of 7-Eleven. I'm sorry, I don't. If you want to be there, I mean, I mean, who wants to be? I don't want to be there. And neither did anybody at that time wanted to be laid in a feeding trough with animal excrement around. I'm sorry, like I am very sensitive to smell. If I'm coming to the manger as a shepherd or a wise woman, whatever, and I show up and I'm smelling cow excrement, that's gonna stick with me, you know? I don't want my life to look like that. But sometimes God's not in the grandiose things. And this season reminds us that he is in the things that we don't expect. I love the way Ellen White puts this. Speaking of Elijah, but also speaking of our expectations, you and I as Christians, people faithfully coming to God and living out this life and what we are projecting on Jesus, she says, those who, you, us, 
while spending their energies in self-sacrificing labor are tempted to give way to despondency and distrust. May gather courage from the experience of Elijah, this moment. God's watchful care, his love, his power are especially manifest in his servants whose zeal is misunderstood or underappreciated, whose counsels and, and reproofs are slighted and whose efforts towards reform are repaid with hatred and opposition. You and I, here today, doing our best to be faithful. I am asking you, expect the unexpected and ask God, Lord, I know that you're going to defy my expectations. Here I am, I'm waiting. I know that you might not be in the wind. I know that you might not be in the earthquake or the fire. You're in the stillness. You're in the humble things. And you expect that I treat those around me with the same care that you treat me. I hope that is your prayer. <laughs>